solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum bum ba bum 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 bum. Welcome to another episode. I'm Alex. I'm Molly. And I'm Jessa. And this, and this is, is Potter, Potter, Potter Watch. Perfect. Um, it's a special episode today. We've got a special guest. We've got Jessa here. Hello. And we're not doing a chapter. Even more special. Even more special. You know what that meant? That we didn't have to read before this episode. We did, however, have to do copious amounts of sorting because mm-hmm. this is a sorting episode. Woo-hoo! TV and movies. Yes. And so, books, I guess. And books, yeah. Some of them are um, shows that have been uh, books that have been converted into shows or uh, books that have been converted into movies and vice versa. Most of the characters were just going to base sort them. But um, in the case of Big Little Lies, there is <clears throat> certain character that needs a dual sorting, I think. Yes. Um, the yeah. characters are very different. Spoiler alert, we're doing Big Little Lies, and I found it incredibly difficult to sort those characters. Just I found it <laughs> slightly easier because I think Jessa and I have cheated in that we have we discussed, have discussed Big Little Lies sorting before. But two of our main characters are, like, highly traumatized, so if we're going, like, a more simplified sorting, I'm like, I don't know. These ladies are kind of going through it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt that about a lot of our fandoms. So, yeah, like, there were several people that I have a similar note. <laughs> I was like, oh, this character is highly depressed with a lot of PTSD. Where do I put them? Yeah. yeah. Or I have the question for, um, spoiler alert, we're also sorting Twilight. <laughs> um, what is ambition for a vampire? <laughs> Wow, that's, that's a great a really question. Good point. Um, also, spoiler for Twilight, how do you sort a character that has no personality? That was my note. <laughs> I have I have that question for Twilight and my question is, does this person have a personality other than big? And what do I do with that? Correct. Correct. Um, in the case of Westworld, we have a lot of difficult sortings because some people are figuring out who they are. And or we're all, robots. Yeah, <laughs> full, like, not characters. But I'm very interested to see if somebody has a take on some yes. of them. But before we really get into this, we have to get to know Jessa. Yes. Jessa, this is your first time on the podcast. On any podcast. So it's an my debut. Time. It a- is. You're what a great debut. one to debut on. Absolutely. Um, I do think we have, like, an expert on, because Jessa and I spend so much time talking about sorting. Anytime it might we watch be the basis of our friendship, actually. <laughs> I'm really happy to mostly play Sorting Hat today, because I felt like I really failed as a Ravenclaw today. I was like, I don't know what to do for most characters. I'm just going to go with my gut. <laughs> I do think, because I knew Jessa was coming on this episode, the shows and movies, just to be full disclosure, uh, listeners, are skewed, I think, more toward 
Jessa and my interests because we watch a lot of the same TV. However, for each of us, there's going to be one or two that we don't watch. Like Jessa and Molly will have a couple that they will only be sorting together because they've seen those shows and vice versa for the rest of them. In that case, the person who is not contributing to the sorting conversation is going to be final jury on what our official reading, the final sorting sorting hat. Um, Well, I'll just say which ones we're doing real quick. And then do we want to do the, or do we want to wait? No, we, then we can do Jess's introduction. (laughs) Okay. Um, So we'll, we're almost certainly going to split this up into two episodes. Um, So for this first part, we're going to be doing Twilight um movie slash book not big differences i don't think um doctor who um a couple of different doctors it seems like i'm not a doctor who fan so i'll be sorting that um big little lies mostly the show but i think you guys have read the book um and may weigh in um charmed um a little bit of new charmed a little bit of old charmed um community and then we just added shit's creep um, and then part two, you'll just have to listen to find out. <gasps> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> All righty, Jessa, are you ready for your rapid fire introduction to the world? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. Let me get it on my phone. <laughs> All right. What is your house? Slytherin. Favorite book? I'm going to go with Half-Blood Prince. I'm going to circle back to the house thing. Okay, we can, for sure. (laughs) Um, Favorite character? Um, I'm going to go with Minerva McGonagall. I once had a cat that I named Minerva, and then through a series of unfortunate events, it ended up at the pound, and I had to go reclaim it. And they were like, it's actually a boy. Um, And so then it became Sebastian, and I was very sad because Minerva's a great name. I would have just said Minerva. Yeah. (laughs) I could have. Sebastian's also a great name. Yeah, I'm really good at naming cats, guys. I like giving animals, like, really, like, old-fashioned names. Correct. That's the best. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we've got kind of a two-parter. So the character you identify as, Mm -hmm. and then if you were to be in a movie adaptation, which character would you want to play? Gotcha. Well, I would say I really identify most with Minerva McGonagall. When I was younger, I would have much more said Hermione, but as I've gotten older and even grumpier, um, (laughs) I'm really leaning into that, follow the rules and then leave me alone in the evenings. Um, As far as who I would play, Wow. Could be the same um, It's probably, I mean, if we're not taking age into account, I would probably play a Hermione type. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, and then, sorry, um, which movie would you want to direct? <gasps> what a fun question. Um, the play. Or the, yeah, you could choose Cursed Child. I'm going to pass on that. Um, I, let's see, I would like to play with Goblet of Fire because I think it was such a workmanlike 
movie adaption and there's so much more room to play, especially when you compare it to Azkaban, which came right before it and had such an exciting adaptive spirit and was really innovative. So I'd like to take a whack at that and make it a lot more fun. And it's easy. juicy. That's a, there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a, and, yeah. And it really does because it's like the turning point of the books. It really right, does. Totally. I will say that the graveyard scene is utterly excellent and I wouldn't change it. So my adoption is going to be really weird and it's going to be all new actors and a completely new shooting style and score and everything until you get to the end. And it's just like eight minutes of Ray Fiennes being weird. <laughs> yes. All of Ray Fiennes' little laughs and... Uh, His weird finger, which is like, it curls back in on itself. I love it. I love so that creepy. it's also all done like with like dots on his face and like right. it's the most like CGI part of that. Also, guys, weird story. That's actually the first Harry Potter anything I ever experienced was the Goblet of Fire movie. Interesting. Really? Yes. Correct. In college, I was not allowed to Harry Potter anything growing up. I was raised in the like Harry Potter is a shoot straight to hell thing. Sure. So that was my college rebellion was going to a Harry Potter movie and then reading all the books. Oh, you went to it like in the theater. Yeah, I did. Oh, that's a good experience. Mm-hmm. I, yes. was, I was, was thinking... so weird. And I was like, I don't know what is going on. And I wasn't <laughs> sure I was vibing with it until the graveyard. Cause like, this is so creepy. And these acting choices are choices. And um, that made it work for me. It must've been really confusing, especially that movie. Yeah, yeah, no, fully lost. <laughs> but clearly it hooked you. It did, it worked. It was weird enough that I wanted to know more. Oh, I'm so glad. It makes me, uh, it makes me really like sad to think about people that never experienced Harry Potter and like couldn't find like an avenue in. Right, yeah. I mean, I definitely wish that I had into it when I was young because I, I think there's a lot of literature that is such a special experience when you're a child. I had the same experience. I never read um, what's it called? The Ava DuVernay did the big adaption with the something with the W. The kid and Oprah was in it. Oh, oh wow. The Wrinkle in Time. Thank you. The Wrinkle in Time. I never read Wrinkle in Time growing up. So I think I, I did then read the book before the movie came out. And I saw the movie um, and I thought it was fine. Um, but it made me sad because like, if I'd been a kid when I read that, I would, it would have, oh, I would have been obsessed with it because I was uh, obsessed with Narnia. Like that's right up my alley. I loved all the Oz books, you know? And so that falls right in line with that, you know, young girl gets swept off into magical adventures things. Yes. Yeah. I never read The Wrinkle in Time. I watched the movie, though, and I liked it. But I think I had a similar thing where I was like, one, if I had read the book, I'd probably enjoy this more. And two, if I had read this younger, I watched it younger. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. What class would you want to take? Definitely Transfiguration. Minerva McGonagall. (laughs) Yes, I didn't make that connection, but also true. Um, Related, my favorite X-Men is Mystique. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just really into that shape-shifty thing. I think it's deeply cool. So you want to be a metamorph magus? Probably, yes. Or an animagus. Ooh. 
No, I, I think metamorph because you have control. You're not just like choosing one specific thing over and over. Yeah. I'd prefer that too. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. um, what was the hardest death for you in the books? Ooh. Um, okay, so I was spoiled about Dumbledore, almost said Gandalf, um, before I'd ever read a single word of Harry Potter. So that one, I was like, yeah, okay. And I mean, he has to die. He's the wizard father figure. It happens. Um, I'm going to say, and I can't remember which one it is, Gred, um, because, or Forge, whichever one it was. Um, because he died with the like the ghost of his last laugh on his face and that just wrecks me um, absolutely rude what yeah. she who could not be named did with, with fred yes who would you want to bring back from the dead hmm interesting um, let's give it to Dobby. The poor guy, he never got a real chance. Like, listen, let's let him live in this new world where it's not weird that he's not cool with being a slave. Like, he deserves another go. <laughs> I think that's a fair, a fair <laughs> choice. Um, mm -hmm. Who would you take to the Yule Ball? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to have to agree with Hermione and um, take Hot Foreign Jock um, for all that I am, you know, I like bookishness. There's something about uh, a dumb piece of meat that you're like, yes, I would like that. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Sign me up. So Victor Crumb for me, and I will also be his pen pal. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to take Oliver Wood. Oh, excellent choice. <laughs> Woof. Speaking of jocks. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my uh my girl Angelina and take Ooh, nice. Weasley twin. Very nice. I like that. Um, They're gonna have a good time and uh, that's good. And then also she doesn't have to like theoretically you're not gonna die and she's gonna have to settle for your twin. So it all works out in the end. Right, exactly. Like she experiences both, which is like, you know, she's set. She had a backup twin. That's really sad. Very <laughs> Molly's like, please stop. <laughs> like that is I didn't expect that. Um, anyway, what profession would you want in the wizarding world? Oh boy. Well, let me get away from high school because that's too much. Um, I'm gonna just like open like a wizard Etsy shop, I think. Like, let me move out into Ireland. Like, I like TBH, I love power and that's very attractive, but it's really annoying that the ministry is so insular and it's the only career track for anyone unless they wanna stay at high school. So I'm just gonna rebel against the system move out to Ireland before I immigrate to the U.S. and like take over my cues. Uh, that's my plans. Amazing. Yes. Love it. Yeah, I don't know what the arts are like at in the <laughs> Wizard World. There seem to be no There's a single choir. 
There's one choir. <laughs> That's it. They don't even take an English class. They do not. <laughs> These folks do not know how to write an essay, let me tell you. Well, they're constantly writing essays. We don't know how, though. And they're only judged by the, like, the literal inches of the essay. Nobody's ever going to be like, you know what? You really didn't strongly prove your thesis, and I'm concerned about that. Well, right. I think they do because they get like the OWL grades at some point on their essay. That's true. Yeah, it's just I have no proof that they were given sufficient education in order to write said essay. I haven't seen a syllabus. Right, exactly. (laughs) Like they definitely, as far as we know, they get no further writing basic instruction beyond the age of 11. So I have concerns. I have concerns. I have questions. Yes. And math. They don't know how to do math. Right. And, right. and they have this insane advanced arithmetic class that they're going to take. But I'm like, yeah, but did you teach them algebra first before they're doing number magic? Maybe they give them like a speed course in their brain. Like it just like oh, the spell that like makes them know advanced all calculus. of their arithmetic. Um, okay, what are your ships? Mm. All right, guys, this is shameful, but I still love me some Snape Hermione. I apologize to the world. Oh my um, word, in the flesh. Well, kind of over Zoom, but this is shocking. Yeah, well, it's adult Hermione, though. Obviously, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I do think that is kind of like, to be honest, like a slight generational difference um, because I feel like people who were like actual kids when they started with Harry Potter are more into like like a dreary or those kinds of things. Um, I don't hate Harry and Luna. I think that's cute. Um, I just think Luna does deserve better than some random that we've never heard of. Uh, who else? Um, I ship Tonks not being with a man, obviously. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but unfortunately, characters in Harry Potter to give her an appropriate ship, other than like her biggest women who love women ship is Tonks Ginny. Which is like, okay. Yeah, but like, what about one of the athletes? Like one of the, um, like a, a Quidditch star maybe would yeah. be a good choice for her. I could see her being with an athlete, which I get is mm-hmm. probably why they, she gets put with Jenny. But like someone who's already an adult that she doesn't have to wait for them to grow up would be nice. Right, a full adult, someone who is of age before she dies in Canada. Exactly. Like, let's let Tonks have some action that's going to have something for her in it. Maybe Angelina. She's older, at least. Yeah, she's a little older. That's better. Because Tonks isn't super old, obviously. She's not. She's too young for Lupin. Um, Yeah, I actually think Angelina and Tonks overlap for, like, three years in Hogwarts. I can get behind that. That works for me, then. Because Tonks supposedly graduates the year before Harry enters school. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, her and Lupin are a scandalous couple. Yeah, that 
Listen, that's just wrong on every level. You just said Hermione and Snape. <laughs> just I, I think it's cute, the, the scandalousness of their relationship. Like, I can get behind it, especially since, like, Tonk seemed to, like, seems to really have her shit together. Like, she doesn't seem like she just graduated high school. But, right. Um, oh, right. No, I think it's well written um, and I enjoy, it, it fits in with, you know, it's a classic romantic tropes of like, you fool, don't you realize it's you she's in love with? You know, it's cute, it works in the moment, but like in, in the quote unquote real world, I don't love it. Yes, I mean, she's the, she is so queer coded. I think it's so funny that the right. two most queer coded characters in the book are shipped together. Right. Lupin and Sirius more, but I get yeah. I can get behind a Tonks, a Tonks loop. Yeah. No, I don't hate it. I just, eh, whatever. I, yes. I do, it doesn't really I, matter, I, does it? Clearly meant to be with a woman. It's fine. Correct. Very, very, very much. Also, I strongly ship Hermione with anyone she didn't go to school with and who is understands that there's a bigger outside world in the same way that she does because she is way too smart to settle down with a high school boyfriend and start popping out kids like I just want better things for her I I would like her to travel the world for five or six years date lots of people and marry someone we've never heard of who is equally smart and ambitious and on like a power track I kind of feel like that's what happened with Luna in like a good way like she did her own thing and then like met this guy who's like really into animals and stuff yeah that makes sense that's true because she also like did not peak in high school (laughs) right like I mean certainly Luna certainly (laughs) peaked in whatever kind of higher education there is yes in the wizarding world like that's definitely her unit like she went to college she had a good time she figured herself out people weren't judging her so bad. But I feel that for Hermione too. Even though I I do and like ultimately like ship Hermione and Ron, like I I like that idea of her not being with somebody that knew her when she was in high school or whatever. I think that's a good point that you made earlier about uh Lupin and Tonks where it's like, oh I definitely ship Ron and Hermione in the books. Like that's mm-hmm. my original OTP, I think. Okay. But um in like an outside world where it's the real world. I do, right. I do want Hermione to go find herself to experience yeah, like lots date of a lot. Yeah. For, for sure. Partner. Yeah. I want her to become the like hot shit that we all know like Hermione is. I yes. want her to be in the outside world and have guys, people, whoever she decides to date see her and be like, oh no, she's a full like top tier kind of witch you know she deserves to be with someone who never made fun of her for her looks or her intelligence like just want better things for you Hermione (laughs) should we do some a couple games oh yes so um if do you want to do the first one sure um so we're gonna play fuck Mary kill with Harry Ron and Hermione okay well like any well-thinking person. I'm marrying Hermione, obvs. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm gonna fuck Harry. I don't think he's gonna be any good, necessarily. That's 
Fair. Actually, I think he may be actively bad. So I'm changing my, I'm changing my vote now. <laughs> you know, there's an old blind item about Leonardo DiCaprio that he has sex lying on his back with earphones on um, while whatever 20 year old model he's dating is on top of him. Um, and I low-key see that for Harry because he's the chosen one. He's Mr. Hot Shit. So I'm killing Harry, and at least I feel like Ron will be. Ron is a people pleaser. Like he's gonna try and get like you know, a high five. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a horrifying anecdote about Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. I don't think Harry is necessarily like selfish in bed though, because I feel like he's a people pleaser. I think he's like bad. If you're gonna do a one time though, he's bad. I feel I don't like think he's a people pleaser. I do. I think he wants to be liked, but I think no, that's different think than being a people pleaser. He would be a people pleaser in that way. Like he do- he wants to be doing a good job. Like I don't think he's selfish. I don't think he's selfish, but I don't think he's a people pleaser. Like, I do think he'd be a very bad partner, sexual partner. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least in the short term. Like, maybe well, you've had him long like, enough to, like, teach him. Yeah, he's got to learn, I think. Yeah. I don't think he is good his first time out. I think he's nervous and doing a bad job. And I'm not saying Ron's going to be amazing, but Ron's going to, gosh darn, try his best. Yeah, I think so. He's going to want you to finish, if even if it's just for his own ego, to be honest. Yes. yes he like read it in a book (laughs) oh no so like I don't know how graphic to get but like if he goes down on you maybe he's there for like way 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 too long you're like it's really not working I just really it's fine very determined (laughs) yeah like especially just even the way he is with lavender like he's like in it to win it you're right also I saw way too much of his tonsils just (laughs) as a general note Uh, and we saw the chase kiss between harry and cho so that's what we're like dealing with exactly (laughs) right and the Ginny one i don't even want to talk about that one the Ginny one on bonnie right though that mess like she was in control of the whole kiss because harry wasn't expecting a kiss and she literally fit her little lips right there and then like took them out like there was no passion this is why we invented intimacy coordinators now so we can talk with young actors and we can choreograph a kiss so it doesn't look horrifying jenny would never jenny book jenny would be offended right book jenny is clearly like a fireball and we're dealing on a whole other level there we gotta keep it moving here uh we got a lot of shows to cover (laughs) Okay, um, so the last one that we have, um, have we ever t- talked about Cruz in the Fuck, Mary Kill, Jessa? No. So basically, short and sweet, a cruise is where you're going on a year-long cruise with that person. It's magically driven, so it's just you and that other person on the cruise. I do remember this now. Yes. Molly and I feel this is a bigger commitment than marriage, personally, because you're stuck with that person. I mean, it's very intense. It's intense, yeah. Like, there are some characters I could marry and, like, live in a separate bedroom. (laughs) Right. And would not 
go on a cruise with them. Anyway, your options are Snape, Fred or George, or Fred and George, Draco Malfoy, Victor Crumb. Okay, wow. This is saucy. It is saucy. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm gonna probably, no offense, Snape, even though in fic, he's very, very good at the sex. I'm gonna have to kill him. We do have a lot of discussion about, you know, hygiene issues and that's a hard no. Greasy hair is, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a problem. Like God invented dry shampoo for a reason. Um, so. Like where uh, else is it greasy, am I right? Oh, oh no. Fail <laughs> is not the word that we want in this situation. So I'm probably going to take Gret and Forge on the cruise. I think they will be endlessly entertaining. Um, there are some interesting combinations that we can get into. You know, sure. they're a lot of fun. Um, they're going to have their jokes, but also... If I'm like, I literally cannot stand your face anymore, they can go off and do dumb shit on the other end of the boat and leave me alone. Yeah, that's I the perfect solution. They can interview um, each other. I've never thought about that. Right. Um, wait, remind me. I've got Crumb and who else have I got? Draco. Draco. Hmm. All right. I am going to fuck Crumb because Ops. Um, and then I'm going to marry Draco. I know we've got a whole racist thing going on, but also he's very rich. And it says nowhere in the rules that I can't divorce him. So. That's true. I'm moving to California. We're getting married and I'm walking away with half the estate. Unless he like reforms himself. Like I can do the like sad boy thing for a little while. That's kind of cute. But honestly, his dad is way hotter than he is. I'm just saying. I almost put Lucius in there, but Draco has the the knowledge that he is eventually reformed. Lucius, like, is a racist for... Yeah, I'm very swayed by the fact that it's Jason Isaacs, who yeah. is a delight and a, a great Twitter follow, FYI. I highly recommend. The um, Malfoy so. family read one of the chapters for the Spotify thing. I don't know oh. if they're so doing fun. these like uh, characters are reading chapters of the first book, and him and uh, Tom Belton and the woman that plays Narcissa they each like read part of one of the chapters. That's that. so sweet. I didn't know they did that. Uh, oh. The Norbert chapter, in fact. Cute. Of course they did. Oh, actually, I'm really excited to hear Tom Felton read Sassy Draco in that scene. Cause Draco I don't know if he actually read the Draco part, but he reads Hagrid, and it's hilarious. <laughs> also, I just want to say, Helen McCrory, who, as I'm sure you all know, was originally supposed to play Bellatrix, would have been so fucking brilliant in that role, because if you haven't watched Penny Dreadful, cannot recommend more. And she plays a witch who essentially is exactly as the Bellatrix that I read and she's glorious and perfect. She is incredible. It's like, she's very, she, I was gonna say Slytherin, but like in like a literal like snake way. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, sen sensuous or sinuous, I guess is the word. Mm. Here I am on a Zoom call, like acting it out and none <laughs> of it can 
steamy. The so. podcasters love it when you act things out. I know I've been like reacting quietly because I didn't I didn't have anything to like interrupt with, but I'm like want to <laughs> react to what you guys are saying. You're like, mm, mm-hmm, mm. a lot of Shall eyebrow we- acting. Mm. Shall we dive right in? Yeah, with a uh, Twilight. Um, so I'll just quick. Well, I guess we'll just go each character. So. Um, Bella was the one I was referring to with like, how do you sort somebody with no personality? Uh, I put her as a muggle uh, uh, and did not sort her. I actually think she has a house. I was struggling to find it, but I think book Bella is, I went wild and said, I think Bella's a Slytherin. Because I think she's very people-oriented. Like, she has her people, and she doesn't really want to stray from that. Also, her people are her ambition. So, I think, like, all she wants to do, because she's Bella, is be a vampire and be with Edward. So that's, those are my reasons for that. Also process of elimination. I don't think she's particularly brave or chivalrous and she doesn't have the like, she has the reactionary part of Gryffindor. Like she will make a rash decision. So I, I, if I had to put her in a house, I'd probably say Hufflepuff. I don't see her as a puff at all because she doesn't care about people yeah. as a group. She's very, like, you can kill any person you want as long as I get my people. Yeah, she fully doesn't, (laughs) she doesn't care that he's a vampire. Like, even if he sucked, before she knew that he only ate animals, she was like, I'm down. I don't care. It's good. That's true. (laughs) She was like. I actually sorted her as Gryffindor. It was a difficult sorting. Um, because I feel like a big like element of Gryffindor is this like desire to do like big gestures, you know, like ridiculous theatrics, I think to me is a very Gryffindor thing. So I think about her like dumb obsession with like Wuthering Heights and Romeo and Juliet. And she always is like pitching herself as like this dramatic, tragic heroine. I don't think she's like a very good or very heroic Gryffindor in any way. Um but um, here's my problem, though. I, I lightly misunderstood the assignment, guys. And I thought we were doing, like, traditional book sorting. So I was trying to sort her, like, book styles. Um, what do you mean? Well, because, like, for instance, saying Slytherin is about being, like, oriented to your people. That's, like, a sorting hat chats thing. So I didn't really use that system so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna adjust on the fly yeah, um, I, mean, I kind of consider that like a book trait um they don't like say it in like the song but I think that that's like established as like a Slytherin thing I mean we also talk about that a lot on the podcast yeah I was gonna say Jessa, I'm sorry if I misled you that's kind of what I meant by the um we take certain bits of the sorting hat yeah, chat okay. and, it and apply it just because like Slytherin is where you make your true friends is like yeah. the song verse. And then I mainly think that comes from the fact that a lot of Slytherin characters have that trait. But right. I 
I do see what you're saying. I think if we're doing um book where you're like Bella Bella it enjoys Gryffindors, like she enjoys seeing herself as a Gryffindor. Yeah. Had a choice, she would be a Gryffindor. I definitely mm-hmm. think she fits into that in traditional housing. She's just like the most. She's upsettingly passive as a character. Yeah, I was going to say passive. I mean, that's a problem of writing. Like, it's a huge issue with her as a character. I think that's the, where I got the Hufflepuff energy from. Is like mm. it's the passiveness, like letting things yeah. kind of happen. But she's like not. Ca- I mean, she's hardworking, but she just doesn't care about things yeah also is surrounded by Gryffindors in that little friend group she meets in in Forks and she doesn't like any of them like she doesn't their Gryffindor activities maybe she's like a Ravenclaw stuck in her ways like she I don't know that doesn't make sense she's not like inquisitive at all I don't think she cares to learn about anyone like that's why so many of these characters are blanks because she's our POV but she doesn't care about anyone else you know I'm kind of want to learn about Jacob's family and that history that's true vampire and books she likes books she does, but only if they apply to her, like, super dramatic relationships. Look, she's also, a like, muggle entering like, their magical world. Oh, wow, that's, that's a really excellent point. Ooh, honestly. I, I meant when I said she was a muggle, because I'm thinking about her, like, being in, like, the whole vampire thing. Wow. But. That's really strong. That's a strong argument, and I'm. I'm willing to accept it because I do not think she's houseable. She I have a couple of these sortings where they're not in a house. They are maybe a squib or a muck. Love this. Very I have squib. I, I want to say something really quick about the chats. I So for me, I don't really differentiate them too much. Like I think if I was thinking about sorting house chats and like traditional, like I would probably be pretty consistent so, like, if you want to include any of that in your discussion, that's totally fine. Like, I did use burnt at one point, um, yeah. like, just because we had that vocabulary. And we can talk about it so the listeners know what we mean. So, don't feel like you have to be boxed in on anything. Right. Yeah, it is totally my fault, because when I said not to, like, focus on sorting hat chats, what I guess what I meant was don't, like, primary and secondary house. Gotcha. And that, so I totally threw you off. And I also did forget how just naturally the Sorting Hat Chats language is in our sorting language. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'm I'm adaptable. That's my okay. secondary. That's a Slytherin. <laughs> Edward. Ooh, I have a flaw. I am sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. I figured nobody is going to go to school that much throughout their life if they're not a Ravenclaw. And he likes it. Yeah. Right. Like, what a weirdo. I'm sorry. Um, well, I was also going to say he, like, plays piano and stuff, which I always think of music as, like, a usually, like, in the Ravenclaw um, mm. field. Like, anytime you, like, take a specific passion in something and, like, learn a lot about it. Um, yeah. He wants to learn it to, till it's, like, he wants to keep exploring it, keep learning it. I do, yeah, I, I just think he's a Ravenclaw. I don't, I think he also is has that Ravenclaw thing where like he has one way that he is looking at it and 
he can't really like for himself see it another way mm. so he I think he's really stuck in his system and really comforted by his system of ethics and what yeah. he's doing and like he's a virgin for his whole life until so he much my man See, right. you and I disagree about that for Ravenclaw. Like, I don't think Ravenclaws are necessarily like, people that are stuck in their way. Like, I think they're more like curious people into like learning different things. Uh, and- I think learning different things is different than being comforted by your own system, which is what I mean by like, instead of being influenced by, um, so a Slytherin system might be from their parents or from their people, or a Gryffindor system might be focused on a cause. I think a Ravenclaw system is created by for themselves, and so they like that and are comforted by that idea. Because I think about Luna versus Hermione, and like Luna's all about learning and like thinking outside the box, and Hermione's so rigid and like this is the way it is. And I think that's more Gryffindor, like, this is the way it is, like, I'm going full force at it. And like, I think Ravenclaw step back and are like, no, there might be other options, there might be other ways. So I'm not saying it's like a, yeah, uh, I don't know that we really have a terminology, but I think he's almost like a frozen Ravenclaw then, in a way, because I definitely think he's Ravenclaw. And I immediately crossed to that image from the movie, and I can't, it's something else in the book that I can't remember. Um, of that like um, collage that they have of graduation caps, which is like a visual representation of Ravenclaw to me that like need to collect things. Yeah. You know, and in this time, it's like literally a representation of collecting knowledge. Um, Yeah, but I do see definitely what you're saying, Alex, about him not necessarily being mentally flexible because like he's fully like, there's a lack of, I guess a lack of empathy really. like, for example, when Bella's pregnant and she's, like, so strong-minded about the fact that, like, she wants to give birth, even if it's going to wreck her, he, like, lacks that yeah, I think positive, that's empathetic, yeah, thing yeah. to be able to, like, jump into her brain of it. And even, like, where she's like, no, I literally would like to have sex now while I'm But I don't want you to be alive. She's like, what? That's not <laughs> what I said. She's like, I don't care about that. Right. Mm, yeah. I think that's just a weird him thing. That might be a weird him thing. I'm not, I didn't mean to imply that Ravenclaws were inflexible in that way. I guess what I'm trying to say with Luna as an example, she has her own way of looking at the world. She has created her own system. So I think the fact that she has, is thinking outside of the box is like her way of making it through the world. And Hermione's way of making it through the world is house elves are wrong because that's her cause. Like yeah. uh, we have to study and do what's right and get good grades and we don't cheat because that's the rules of the school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think I, I just wouldn't have used that as a specific reason for him being Ravenclaw necessarily. Cause I think about Harry, like once he makes a decision, that's it. There's no other like thinking about another option. That's true. Kind of as that that more like that narrow-mindedness can sometimes be a Gryffindor trait, like like blinders on almost. Mm, Not yeah. necessarily narrow-minded, but like blinders on. Um, okay, Jacob. I said Gryffindor. I said Gryffindor too. Interesting. I had Hufflepuff. Okay. What are your Hufflepuff reasons? He gets a little 
obviously muddled in New Moon because he goes to like uber puberty. Um, but I think in general, uh, he cares about people collectively. Like he has issues obviously like with Edward. Um, but I think in general, he's very much a like, here's my little project. I'm gonna build my little motorcycle. And also he cares about people, which is why, you know, in all the dramatics of him breaking off and forming his own pack, he draws to him the outsiders, the like puppiest of the group and the weird prickly girl, because I think he just has that natural thing. Where he's like, I love everybody and all of you, unless you specifically give me a reason to be weird and awkward around you. I definitely, I mean, as a secondary, yes, there's definitely like a lot of griffy hothead shit going on <laughs> for sure. I think that's yeah. where his Griffiths are from. I do think it's influenced by the fact that when he gets all hot heady, um, he literally wolfs out, which just feels right. like a very Gryffindor reaction to anything. But if we're looking at who he was pre-change and like maybe who he is at his non-wolfy core, then I can definitely see Hufflepuff for him. Yeah, I would. I would probably flip them like Gryffindor is like the main one and then like his second house would be Hufflepuff. I also just like really compared him to Ron in my head just <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, so that was also part of my Gryffindor impetus. I think he's different than Ron. I don't think they're like the same. Like if we went like toe to toe, but he, he just remind, they like remind me of each other. He feels a similar place in yes. the narrative. Yes, he does. He definitely the hot headedness and just like the yeah. living by emotions only. I, I think about how, because I am almost never, like really I'm not very attracted to Ron at all. And then Jacob it's and like I'm the opposite. I, I like Ron and not Jacob. Whoa, that's so foreign to me. <laughs> a team Jacob? No, no. Uh, being like, I don't like Jacob. I'm super into Ron is wild to me. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a Edward stand, I guess. Stand. Oh. I, I have no opinion right now in my life, but <laughs> at the time, I was an yeah. Edward fan. I do, by the end of the series, ship Bella and Edward together out of sheer, they both get on my nerves so much that- um, You go live in your castle and fuck each other into the next millennium. Right, and I will take Jacob for myself because you didn't deserve him, Bella. <laughs> That's where I was at the end of my Twilight phase. I found Jacob so annoying. I was like, get the fuck out of my face, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to the, like, the sorting, I, I just think about the way that Bella continually refers to him as her personal son. And to me, that is so puffy. Like the fact that he's the person who brings like warmth and light into her life. I just... He's like a lap dog in a little bit, which is very like puffy in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you first meet Jacob, because I have recently been rereading the series. He is just, he's described very puffy. I think Eclipse Jacob is where he gets a little Gryffindory because he gets like a backbone and he starts like teasing Edward and like really right. to like. It's I very think weird he, in Eclipse. <laughs> yes. But um, I do think, and then he does that thing in Eclipse where he like drives off. Is that Eclipse? Yes. Where he like drives off and he's like, I don't oh. like girls that wear too much makeup. <laughs> like, oh, yes. 
He's like, I'm going to force myself to bond to some girl. She said she liked cars, but I don't trust her in her mini skirt. Yeah, Jacob goes down a whole bad path. I just tell the superpower of anything that I don't like that a character does. I'm like, that's not canon. That's actually not real. (laughs) I will say when you first meet Jacob, he's definitely set up as a Hufflepuff. Because yeah. like, oh my gosh, look at this precious young boy who I can tell he has a little bit of a crush on me, but yeah. all right, so we'll say Hufflepuff, eleven year old Jacob. Um Charlie. I also said Puff. I said Puff. Okay. Same. Right. I feel like it's just his like let's get it done kind of head down work ethic thing. Yeah. yeah. Car Carlisle. Yeah. I said Ravenclaw because he makes the system. Yes, and also Edward and the rest of yes, and that Ravenclaw like collection thing. I feel like he's the weirdo who's collecting people. You've been a strange man. That's an interesting point. I put Hufflepuff, but I didn't feel good about. Like I don't feel that strongly about it, just because he like is a doctor. He I think he does genuinely care about people. He created the vegetarian um, werewolf. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with Ravenclaw. Cool. Rosalie, she's an interesting one. Yeah. I said Slytherin. I you said her people. Gryffindor. Because she, like, I feel like has a Slytherin aesthetic, but yeah. has, like, a very Gryffindor, like, reaction and way of presenting her. I think she's a little narcissist Like, these are my people. Back the fuck up. Like, he definitely has that. She I did. also went Gryffindor. Um, I I went with the like the idea of her single mindedness. Um, that you know, I guess like originally she was on the like a revenge track, and then she's like Emmett, I guess track, and then she's like babies, you know. So I think she's like, yeah. like I have to have a focus that is all I care about to the exclusion. Yeah. I think what makes her most Gryffindor is that. When she became a vampire, she went back and, like, killed all those men that attacked her. It's a very, like, re- like, and she did it full out. She did it in her wedding dress. The drama. <laughs> it was for the drama. <laughs> God bless. I like, yeah, I like that argument for Gryffindor. I think she's definitely, she's got a, she's got a little bit of both in it. Because she's definitely very people and very family oriented, too. For sure. And she's very possessive when Bella comes in and tries to be a, like threatens their comfort her family's yeah and on that level her circle is very 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 small I really think she could do away with the rest of her quote-unquote family like she likes Emmett she's into that vibe for herself um but I'm not sure that she's like super attached to the rest of the Cullens so Mm -hmm. I could see that as a Slytherin argument where she's like eh my circle is smaller than y'all think I'm fine yeah I do think she and Edward have, like, a special, yes, whatever that is. They're funny. I love the backstory that they tried to date. Hilarious. (laughs) That Edward would ever be in Rosalie's league. As if this weird little nerd is like, now listen here, Rosalie. He was like, we're not going to do the sex. We can't have sex until marriage. And Rosalie was like, Carlisle, get me someone new immediately. Speaking of Emmett, not again, not much, but to go off of, but I said Gryffindor. I said, 
I said Gryffindor, maybe Hufflepuff with a Gryffindor aesthetic. I don't know. <laughs> that was the one that I said, does he have a personality other than big? I've got nothing. No, he's got big meat for Rosalie. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'll, a, I'll he's give him to Gryffindor. He's at yeah. um, that school. Dermstrang, uh, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Jasper. I just saw what I put for his house. It only says Moody. It doesn't have a house next to it. I said Hufflepuff for him because of his like whole like calming the room thing. He was a Confederate soldier. He was fully a racist, like uh, an official racist. I kind of <laughs> forgot that. So. Yeah, and he's like, I think his major personality point is like war and enjoyed war. So he's like. I thought he was like a piece, like a pacifist. I forgot about that thing you said about him like vibing the room, which then makes no sense in New Moon. Why is he suddenly like freaking out over paper? Whatever. That has never been. I thought he was supposed to be like this like pacifist dude that like creates peace in the room or whatever. He can create peace, but it's almost an opposite power because he is constantly on edge and high strung and wanting to kill everyone in the room. Okay. That's is he just like. like a claw who hasn't taken his Xanax in like 700 years. He's a claw because you know what? It he he just reminded me of Hulk. He reminds me a lot of Bruce, oh, Bader, mm-hmm. where he's like got all of this inside of him, and he's really just on edge, trying to calm it down, and he just wants to get through his life and live his life with Alice. <laughs> So just a brief moment of appreciation for that man's acting choices in those movies. God bless. Um, clearly, I don't remember him very much. No, no but you're right about the mood thing. I forgot That's all about I that. remembered. Yeah. I, I think that's a that poor too. writing choice. It doesn't fit him as a person. I, I did just find out a couple... I always knew he was like a soldier in... <laughs> um, in the Civil War, but I never connected to the fact that, like, when I was reading it when I was younger, it was like, oh, yeah, he fought for the South because he was Southern, and I was just like, yep, he sure was fighting for the North, and then my friend pointed out out to me, like, two years ago, she was like, you know he was a Confederate soldier, and I was like, was everyone gonna just let me love Jasper? I didn't know that. Like, I don't think I thought about it. I just assumed part of it is because Jackson Rathbone himself didn't, clearly didn't know about it until, like, midway through the second or third movie, whenever they do the flashback, and he's like, I have a Southern accent all of a sudden. (laughs) <laughs> Which had not appeared yet in the movies, and it's glorious. It's also like in that thing where you know Vampire Diaries is um, does it too, where it's like we like to forget what right. when we celebrate the history of the South right. and our Founders Day ceremonies and like our Bonnie like, put on this hoop skirt, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. We forget to like talk about what that means. So right. I think uh, Twilight certainly forgot to mention that he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like vaguely remember he was even in a war. I don't even think I would have been able to tell you it was like that, the Civil War. I probably would have been like. Friends. Which makes it an amazing writing choice, really. He didn't have to be a Confederate soldier. He was, though. That- <laughs> 
good to note. As may. Hufflepuff. Yeah. But like the way that the whole like the vampire's power come like is a their personality times a million. She is like taking puffiness to like a creepy Stepford wife extreme. Like I was about to say she's mom TM. That's how yeah. It's a lot. You're like, settle down. Like, also not much of a personality. No, not at all. No, because she is focused on being a mom and loving everyone. Like, yeah. Which is very weird that they like are parents and like children. Like they're yeah. not your real parents. You all are 3,000 years old. Right. <laughs> like what? Like multiple of the children are like factually far older than her. Yeah. Right? She was like the third or fourth. Like she was because edward was his first collection yes it doesn't make sense very weird it's like it that's what i mean by carlisle you're and you're collecting people thing too it's like he literally was like i want my perfect family yes i guess they don't actually think of them as their parents but they listen to them though like esme and carlisle are like mom and dad like even rose listens to them I think they respect Carlo for sure a lot. Yes. Okay, Alice. I just love her. Um, I said a Ravenclaw. Same. I was stuck on Ravenclaw because I put Puff, but it doesn't make sense. And I didn't want to pick Ravenclaw because I felt the only reason I wanted to pick Ravenclaw was because she reminds me of Luna, which didn't feel like a strong enough basis. And I think he loves most people unless they're like hurting people around her. Like I do think she plays also mediator in her family. She has a little bit of a bloodthirsty edge though. So yeah, there's like a weird little like mischief fairy thing that she has going on. It doesn't read, it doesn't read puff to me. Like she's a little quicker, a little sharper and that very weird and dumb plot in the last book where she like does a runner for some reason that has to do with visions and then oh, leaves yeah. a scavenger hunt for Bella that doesn't really go anywhere that has anything to do with the plot. I mean, those are dumb Ravenclaw things to do, but those are <laughs> scavenger hunts read very Ravenclaw to me. She's also <laughs> obviously because of her power, very heady. And I do think unlike Jasper, her power does consume a lot of her personality. Mm-hmm. I again like the arts. She's an artist. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I also think um, she's she does kind of remind me of Tonks more than Luna. Um, oh yeah, that's a Hufflepuff. Good. But um, Tonks is the weirdest Hufflepuff I've ever seen. Yeah, I get it. We needed more Hufflepuff characters. I think Tonks is a very Gryffindor character, but it's fine. Yeah, but I think Ravenclaw ultimately for her. I think yeah. That would be insane. All right, so you guys are doing Doctor Who. I'm going to go get a glass of wine because I saw you were having <laughs> Excellent. Very excited. We can quickly go through these. But mostly, I've got I've got thoughts, but I feel like Jessa is the the final okay. say on Doctor Who. She knows. All right. Who. Okay. Very excited for this. Okay. So we talked about, like, the universe overall. I think it's a very Ravenclaw universe. Agreed. Like, the ethos of the show is like knowledge is good for you gain as much of it as you can yeah and I think that definitely goes along with it being like a learning kit like a show for like kids to learn history and the exactly 
Like it's very, yes, Ravenclaw knowledge-based show. Mm-hmm. Yes. However, I do think certain doctors, <clears throat> 11, create uh-huh. a different universe. Correct. Like I think 11's universe is very puff. Mm. All about like family and those connections. That's what. Well, let's go in order. Let's go in order because I have complex thoughts about eleven. Okay. Okay, so we're doing the ninth Doctor. Number one, he's hella burned for sure. Lost out of a war. So my instinct is Gryffindor that he's had this cause that he's fought for, but now he's really wrestling with the fact that like he broke his own moral rules. Like he feels like he did the wrong thing for the right reason and he's super wrestling with that and I think his journey is like coming back to himself I had Gryffindor too for similar reasons I think a lot of nine is recovery from his war um soldier that's burned and dealing with that trauma feels very Gryffindor of an arc for Mm -hmm. me yeah um his like his moral rules, trying to stick to them with uh, Rose also felt very Gryffindor to me. Like, mm-hmm. he wanted to give in, but he doesn't. And he's trying to hold out and be the good guy. Very yeah. Cool. Absolutely. And then, speaking of Rose. What did you have? I have Gryffindor for Rose. I can see that, for sure. And I think mostly the fandom would agree. Uh Uh-oh. And there is a whole thing with her as like the brave child, the courageous child, that kind of thing. So it definitely makes sense. But I I ultimately sorted her as Hufflepuff, specifically in the first season. I think her character changes in the second season when she is with Tin. But there's a, a, a specific thing that she has early on about caring about each being. I should say, um, which you really see in the episode Dalek, where the fact that she's the one who touches this Dalek and imparts part of herself to it is the reason that it becomes, uh, it, it suddenly has the ability to care. I think the fact that Rose has this compassion and mercy on this Dalek, I mean, it, that's the point, part of the point in the episode, that it fundamentally changes this entire creature. So, um, I mean, I feel fine calling her Gryffindor finally, but I just feel like we have to put a big pin in that, like, essential puffiness. No, I actually really love Puff because my first instinct was actually Puff because I do think she actually is a very helpful Puff aesthetic role. Mm. Like, when I look at her as a character, I think she's very warm and loving and generous in that way. But yeah. I, she does so many, like reactionary and brave things that she has like a typical hero narrative almost like especially especially when she you know she's going back in time with her whole dad situation all of that seems very Gryffindor to me but I think you're right that Dalek episode where she is literally the goodness that changes a Dalek's mind is a awful puff situation so I'm willing to do that I also like an unexpected choice Let's All right. the fandom. Let's call it. Couple Mickey. Mickey the idiot. Mickey Smith, <laughs> I think, has a full growth, right? Because yeah. he is 
so unformed in season one and he's essentially a punchline. Mm-hmm. Um, but into season two and he will return, you will see him again. I think, um, I think he is a Gryffindor. I think I he's discovering so. himself and his sense of purpose and the fact that, yeah, I'm a hero. I'm not just here in the shadows. Uh, I think if he were a puff, he would have stayed home and let Rose go and not have, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't think he needed to continue to fight and to, like, put him, insert himself into this world. Right. And- like, you do not need to jump across the universes. Like, joining Torchwood 2, jumping across the universes, all of that. Yeah, that definitely doesn't read puffy to me. Yeah, I think Gryffindor for sure for him. I like it. Jackie Tyler. I love Jackie. Jackie's a Slytherin. The only thing she cares about is her family. And also she would like to know how rich. Um, (laughs) She's not against being rich is all I'm saying. So yeah, Jackie cares about Rose. And when she gets a Pete again, she cares about Pete. And Mickey gets a little bit of that love, but everyone else can literally go to hell. She does not care. Yeah, that's fair. I have her as Hufflepuff, but you're completely right. I didn't know where to put Jackie. Yeah. Poor Hufflepuff is, Hufflepuff Hufflepuff takes the rest. If I'm like (laughs) unsure, I'm like, what the hell is a Hufflepuff? (laughs) I had to fall on Hufflepuff a lot in general. Yeah. Um, Now we're at 10th Doctor. Oh, 10. So doctor for me to sort, honestly. Yes. So this is my question to the class. Where do we sort ego? Like if ego becomes such a thing that it like defines you by the end of your journey, like what, where does that fall? I think ego is traditionally a Gryffindor category. However, I think Slytherins have a huge chunk of ego too. Yeah. It comes with the whole um, ambition. And um, if you're looking at villains that are traditionally sorted into Slytherin, they, their biggest like kryptonite is usually that they think they're too good to be right. um, defeated. You kind of have to think about like James versus Snape, like with their ego Ooh, and they excellent. are yeah. clearly meant to be in the house as they are, but they, I think their ego ends up being like maybe manifested in different ways. How would, Ooh, would you compare the 10th doctor to like a character in Harry Potter? Um, well, maybe he would be compared to Barty Crouch Jr. I'm just kidding. That's just because it's like a tenant's doctor. Yeah. Um, so I guess really he's most like Dumbledore, actually. That's probably the strongest, which Alex, for the folks at home, Alex is just about the end of season three. We're watching through. She's seen the, the important Matt Smith seasons and now we're working, we've rewound. Um, (laughs) and now she's working through the David Tennant seasons at this point. Dumbledore is a hard person to compare to though, because Dumbledore like technically is a Gryffindor, but he has so many other house traits. Yeah. Namely Slytherin. Exactly. It's, it's very much the same. Who's a person who is very much like, I am going to do good and I believe in good, but also has like an ego that can like eclipse and since we're talking about a space show I mean that in like the most visual way possible that can eclipse all of their good traits and let them like take away choice from people who deserve to make their own choices 
you know, and do crazy shit to where it takes like ordinary people to be like, no, that is unacceptable. Dumbledore, to be honest, never got his proper comeuppance. He got to go out a hero and never had to like fully deal with the fact that he was a full psycho. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, controversial, I know. Uh, it's not. We talk about Dumbledore like this all the time. Excellent. Glad I to know. I think Ten and Dumbledore are very similar. However, I think Ten is a Slytherin. And I, that's the, honestly, I just feel that was the only one that I felt strongly. <laughs> that's where I came down to, Alex. I was like, I think he's a Slytherin. I think that's where I'm going to go, which highly controversial. People are going to hate that. I think Dumbledore is more of a Slytherin anyway. I do too, absolutely. But David Tennant's doctor is literally like, I'm the best one in the room, so I make the rules. Yes, yes. Literally, there's going to come an episode, which is, it's a fabulous episode, where he's trying to get the attention of people, like convince people of something, and they're going to go, why should we listen to you? And he literally goes, because I'm clever. Like, that is not a reason, my good man. (laughs) Not a reason. And then there's that one unspeakable moment when he does that thing to that senator, that woman, where he, like, make, he, like, forces her hand by being, like, I'm gonna tell everyone that you look tired. And Doesn't she look tired? Correct. And then he's so manipulative with Martha. He just swings her along. I, sorry, oh my god, everyone is gonna unsubscribe from the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, sacrilege to speak against the 10th Doctor, but it needs to be said. I, I, you almost just went to a purple man category, Jessica Jones. <laughs> I do think, um, I do think uh, David Tennant has a certain way of playing characters. Yes. He does bring a Slytherin edge to most of his characters. Yeah, he's probably like actually personally a Slytherin. I would buy that opinion. But... Um, but I, I do think his doctor, the way he's written is a very Slytherin person. I think more than any other doctor, he uses a lot of us sorting hat chat secondary Slytherin to get what he wants and to move mm. through the world. I think he has a kind of a Gryffindor performance, like yeah. he wants to, to be seen as the dashing hero. Yeah. He wants to be wearing his converse and for you to call him a Gryffindor, but that's exactly. not who he is. Right. Again, as as we were discussing in the most recent episodes we watched, they could have run from the family of blood and crashed anywhere in history, but it had to be in a place and time where Martha is going to be treated like absolute shit, including by him, because he's just going to think she's some servant that he brought in. Could have brought her to some place to be a goddess. No. Just be clear, Molly, Martha is the Black companion. And... Um, David Tennant decides to bring her to a period of in history where she is like a slave because of the color of her skin. It's like, it's like the year before World War One. Yeah, and he. I mean, yeah. So she's not a slave, but like she is. She no might as well be for as kindly as she's treated. We know yeah. how things are in 2020, so we don't think that 1919 right. is going to be much better. Right. And um. And he can pick any part of history. He could go to the future if he wanted right. to. But he decided to pick we that. We already know. I mean, we don't already, but because we watch out of order, that literally Elizabeth X of England will be a Black woman. So we know in the future, the royal family is getting Blacker. But no. Thank you. We don't go there. 
Exactly. <laughs> All right. I feel like we've, I feel like we're accurate. He is a Slytherin. I'm satisfied with that. Satisfied. So what's Martha? Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. <laughs> he refuses to call the doctor a doctor because she went to medical school and she's a real doctor. So yeah. I love that. Yes. And whenever somebody tries to sass her, she's like, literally, here are my credentials. Top that. Just yeah. happened in the last episode, Nurse Redfern got real snotty about the fact that Martha's a doctor. She's like, here are all of the bones of the hand. Go fuck yourself. Oh, that's true. She does like sp- spout off facts to be yeah. like, don't talk to me like that. I'm smart. Yep. Love yeah. her. She's great. Donna. Yeah. I haven't seen enough of Donna. I said Puff based on my brief like experience with her. That is not a bad, definitely not a bad sorting. I think we come to a little bit of the Rose thing with her. Um, and definitely uh, Donna does care for everyone. It's very much a defining trait during her season. Um, she has some really beautiful moments of caring for other beings. I did go with Gryffindor though. And it, that's pro- it's probably like a primary secondary house situation. It's probably her secondary that is so loud that it becomes her. I mean, she doesn't have like, a Gryffindor energy, but like at least in the, in I think she humbles the doctor in mm-hmm. a way that Rose doesn't. And I attributed mm. that to like a puff nature where she, she doesn't care if he doesn't take her on these adventures anymore. She's like, look, here is what I'm doing. This is my yeah. life. And um, I'm here to support you if you need me. And if you're going to be grumpy, that's fine. But <laughs> there's a great line coming up um where she's told which said about her that you you're screaming at the world because you don't think anyone is listening um which to me read really Gryffindor Mm -hmm. um but I definitely see the argument for Puff um maybe she's just a particularly passionate and loud Puff and she's really pissed off the rest of the world isn't as puffy as she is I mean yes I I, again, I've only seen three Donna episodes. Yeah. The episode she's introduced and then Silence of the Library, um, those episodes. So yeah. I haven't really seen the most of her. So I will defer to you. You know what? I am going to give it to you because when you bring up the library episodes, that is the, her defining trait there because she is the only person who is not an asshole to Miss Evangelista, who is beautiful and dumb. And so she's only, she gets an in on what's going on because everyone else is like, you're pretty and stupid. We're going to ignore you. Donna's the only person who's like, no, she's literally a whole person. Who, you know, gets okay. to have her say, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you a puff. Yay. I think we're going to disagree here based on we our- We are. Program. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah. 11th doctor we are on. Yeah. So we're very different. Present, present your case. Okay, uh, my case is um, fish fingers and custard. No, um, I think he has a very, I might be going on aesthetics here. So this might have been a flaw in not thinking about him hard enough. But um, I do, I mainly think I picked it in a same way as Newt Scamander. Uh-huh, okay. 
I mean, again, I think Matt Smith should have played Newt's commander, but whatever. Um, I, in a similar thing where he loves all creatures and his first instinct is to act with maybe, and maybe that's Ravenclaw, but I was going to say act with like learning about them and then like showing them graces and as opposed to like attacking first, which I feel would be like a Gryffindor thing. Yeah. That is so, what I got. I think that his second episode where he's like on the whaley planet. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, yes, exactly. I think Eleven has a screaming loud Hufflepuff performance, mm-hmm. which distracts a lot of people. But I think he's actually incredibly manipulative, um, which we see in the very first episode where he tells Amy, I just brought you along just because, you know, whatever. And we know immediately it's because actually he wants to investigate the crack in her wall from the very beginning. Um, and I think he, I sort him as a Slytherin who starts out with a very confined circle and his journey is about learning to have family, like a full family mm-hmm. he travels around with. Um, and he uh, theoretically cares about all people, but in the end, he's going to make some kind of like cold, hard decisions about things and about people uh and it takes amy to to be like so this person is sad and hurting you know to like explain people to him um he's very alien in a way um that the 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 previous two doctors hadn't been oh that's very interesting he does feel the most alien for sure and i forget how manipulative manipulative he is because of his performance right because he's adorable but he's adorable and I will I do hold that I think his doctor's little story like if we're doing like uh what the universe space is Mm. I think that his doctor's universe is very Hufflepuff feeling because of the family the growing family nature yeah I totally agree with that so I think I just get a Hufflepuff vibe when I'm there but I do I see the Slytherin I see it yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, to me, that's the most defining thing. Um, in the episode of Good Man Goes to War, when, um, when someone tells him, um, you know, uh, you'll never do whatever it is, uh, good men, ha- because good men have too many rules. And he says, good men don't need rules. Today is not the day to find out why I have so many. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Da, da, da. I'm actually talking myself weirdly into like a really ice cold Ravenclaw. I am getting a very Ravenclaw from that statement. That sounded very Ravenclaw. Yeah, he's got a real tight leash on himself. Um, Yeah, weirdly, I've changed my own mind here and I'm going to vote Ravenclaw. (laughs) Okay. I think we decided on Ravenclaw because even some of my reasons for Hufflepuff when I was speaking about them, also sounded great. Yeah, yeah. All right, Amy. Amelia Pond. Pond. She's the griffiest. She's the Gryffindoriest. She's got (laughs) red hair. Yes. What I think- Red is very much her signature color in the first two seasons. Yeah, and she's living her best Gryffindor life. I don't know if there's any other option for her. Yes, 
it leads to her doing really dumb shit often and she's got a big heart and she's a little too shouty sometimes and a mess and she's also very hurt and sad and I Amelia Pond is just one of my favorite characters of all time. Same. I love her and um as I'm doing my watch I can't wait to rewatch this entire oh, yes. Rory Rory. Is there any other choice for Rory Pond other than Hufflepuff? No, there isn't. <laughs> that Which, beautiful boy is such a puppy. Oh, he is. And and I I would accept arguments for Slytherin in that he is very Amy-centric. But I think specifically the almost people two-parter with the, the weird goo people, mm -hmm. um, we specifically see him care for another person and even like fall in love with another person and him being a nurse I think of course is very puffy um, his willingness to love the doctor even though like him and Amy that was whole that whole situation was weird but he didn't like treat it the way Mickey did like he was like right. oh I'll just then take you into my family too yeah yeah which I think is like was a very lovely and then he's just He's the if the uh, steadfast tin soldier of Rory. Yeah, he's hard. Yeah, I just there's nothing. There's oh, nothing. Perfect. I love him. He's beautiful. Um, River Song. River. First, we have to talk about this very. For one thing, River is very old, and she has been a lot of people in her life. Mm -hmm. Just you know, you have to say that. Um, so I think you could argue depending on different stages of her of her life for different houses yeah um, but she has a lot of courage I think she's got a secondary a very Gryffindor secondary which is a very bold and courageous and swashbuckling she's an Indiana Jones-ish kind of character you know mm -hmm. um but I think I, I read her as a Slytherin in mm -hmm. that she has specific people and causes that she cares about and literally everyone else can go hang. Actually, there's a quote from Stephen Moffat where it says something to the effect of, she's got her parents and her man and everyone else can go hang. I, like he literally says that about her, which is like the definition of Slytherin right there. She also has like that time where she's like a spy. Yes, right. <laughs> a very Slytherin yeah. job. Yeah, and she, and she has, I mean, I'm sorry, like the massivest of spoilers to anyone who's listening, it's your own fault. Um, she does have like the Slytherin, the literal shapeshifter thing going on, you know, yeah. like the doctor. Um, but in the way that she assumes different jobs throughout her time and, you know, she's in, in different positions. Um, so we could argue that she's also got like a Slytherinish secondary, you know. I also think um, if we're just speaking about sauciness, the way her and the doctor flirt is very Slytherin Ravenclaw mixed. Mm, yeah. They've got a whole witty banter. Yes. And the way, especially the way she plays with him is very Slytherin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is our Doctor Who sorting. Molly, you ready to rejoin us? I am. Shall we jump into Big Little Lies? Let's do it. Can we all agree that this is a Slytherin universe? Is that what I was just about to make that same point. Because I, I didn't sort the Twilight universe, but I did sort this universe as Slytherin. 
this mm-hmm. is certainly a Slytherin universe. So for the listeners, just as a reminder, this is something that another um, friend of the show guest came up with um, during our first sorting, Annika, like that a lot of shows are like a base world. So like this is like base, everyone's a little bit Slytherin and then on top of that is like another character. And some, a lot of times it is like just Slytherin again or it's something else, but um, I I agree. Or it's fun to just look at like someone who doesn't fit into the world of the universe at all. Like I would, we, I think said when we did The Good Place that it was a Hufflepuff based. Yeah. And then watching like the Slytherins play around in the Hufflepuff based universe is literally the concept of. I was just about to say that's like just the show. Yeah, that's so interesting. Right. Um, but yeah, so let's start with Madeline. Um, I kind of had a hard time with her. I was like, maybe Slytherin, maybe Gryffindor. She's got a combo. She's a solid combo of Slytherin and Gryffindor. Yeah. I don't think she's that ambitious. I think she's very focused on her people. Yes. She's very focused on her people and she's kind of ambitious about what she's ambitious about. Like, especially in the show, she's like, my play will go on. Right. We will do Avenue Q and I will have the power. I mean, a lot of this has to do with the Reese Witherspoon of it. I think Reese amps up the Slytherin-ness for sure. Like, I want to be the best mom, the best wife. Yes. I get that, but, like, I guess... best friend. I am the best friend that has ever friended in friendship. Yeah. So I think that's all Slytherin, but I do feel like there's, like, a Gryffindor roaring out of her. I also think the book Madeline is more Gryffindor. I know we're really focusing on the show, but I do think book Madeline has a lot more of that, like, um, natural, like, when Ed, sorry, there's a scene in the book, which I love, which is one of my favorite Ed moments, which I have a lot of issues with who Ed is in the show. But when Ed is describing how he first loves Madeline, and I think that image of Madeline is so Gryffindor, where he's talking about this incredible woman who just has this presence and she's playing cricket outside in a dress with all the boys. And that just feels like a very Gryffindor image. It's like that she cares more than anyone has ever cared, I feel like is part of what he's talking about there. Yeah. And that's part of the, like, I'm going to be the best. It's like, I care so much. And like, I don't know, the way she like treats Jane or like defends her in a lot of ways. And like, I know that's just like very complicated. And like, there's a lot of Slytherin in there, but there's also a lot of Gryffindor. Like, I don't know. She's like a real hat saw. Not a Slytherin way sometimes, but she collects people in a cause way. Right. She's very, I'll just say for a Slytherin, she's very, very warm. Mm Because I think Slytherin tends to be more of a head thing and Gryffindor is more of a heart led thing. A heart on her sleeve kind of woman. Yeah. Like, I kind of want to sort her into Slytherin because of, like, all this good stuff. And, like, that's, like, a good, like, Slytherin, I guess. I don't know. But. I feel like Madeline would choose Slytherin if she was a hat stall. Because she would choose it for the path to success. Yes. But I also feel like she would aggressively make friends with a lot of important Gryffindors. Yeah, buddy. She would be class president of the entire school. Yes, <laughs> right. I actually, I'm gonna change my mind here, and I think her core is Gryffindor because mm-hmm. I think that's where her and spoiler alert for what I've chosen for Abigail 
align. Yeah. Um, is there, like, I think at her heart, she's a cause girl, which is why she collects these people because she thinks mm. he is how she can make their life better. Like she's, she is inserting herself in other people's business, not for the like puppet master of it, but for the like, I really want you to be better. Another really good Gryffindor moment, which could also be a Slytherin moment, is when Jane tells her her story and then she just drives onto the road and she like holds it together for her in that moment, but she just parks her car on the side of the road and just starts bawling. She just yeah. accepts all of it. She's like, I don't know how to fix that. Yeah, I think this, the reason I would trump it with Slytherin is only because like sometimes I think she cares more about how she appears than the cause. Like she'll she'll like kind of put this like facade on over like you know like sometimes she cares more about like that what she's presenting yes I think she definitely cares about what she presents but I don't think she does more than the cause in the way that she handles the um the way she handles the the final murder because she puts her full reputation on the line and foregoes all of that to be like nope I didn't see anything. Charge yeah, and, and there's something really interesting in the way that she brings Bonnie into her circle there in the end. It's a really, that, you know, that really, really beautiful final silent segment in the show where we see Madeline essentially bringing Bonnie in under her wings. She like has her hands on her face and you can tell she's telling her like, we're going to lie about what's happened. We're going to protect you. You're fine which is to me such a, a like a warm Slytherin thing of being like, you're in my circle. I'm protecting you. All of this crazy focus energy is now going to go into protecting you as well. Um, she's very complex though in, in that way. And That's like a- the second season, I, for, I think for some of the characters, I think it's different. Like the what, like, especially the situations they're in. So I think for the most part, I think about the first season, but like, for Celeste, I thought more about the second season. Oh, that's smart. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, well, we can talk about Jane first, but. Um, oh, no. Um, so, yeah. Did we agree we're doing Slytherin for Madeline? I don't know. I, 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 I just, let's call her a hat stall and ask her which house she wants to go into. Sure. We'll hat stall her, let her pick Slytherin for her connections. <laughs> um, Jane, I said, I think, oh, I know we talked about like before we really started about like trauma that characters have gone through but I think that just like despite and because of it like she's a Gryffindor oh interesting because I think she like makes like the really brave decisions and like I don't know I think that I'm just like really proud of her (laughs) I'm proud of her too I I am I I put Ravenclaw um but I think I I think that's because of the way she was trying to work through her trauma seemed very Ravenclaw where she was compartmentalizing and then she unfortunately like picked up his like habits like sorry so this is more book Jane but like so in the book when he's like abusing her he like tells her things like your breath stinks and so she like internalizes it and so anytime you see her in the book she's always chewing gum and he like said something about her weight so she has like a very um a rigid like diet and like I so I just that all but again this is all associated with her trauma 
other than the fact that she likes to sit at home and do jigsaw puzzles as her main spare time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the person is very different than the, like, uh, sh- sh- what's her name? Woodley yeah. version. I would buy Ravenclaw. I was really not sure. I had her as maybe a puff, maybe a claw. There's just such a head down, get the work done. But I would buy Ravenclaw. I think about the way that she raises Ziggy and she's very intentional with him. I don't feel like, I'm not saying she doesn't love him, but I don't feel like a lot of like instinctual emotion in the way that she trains him and that she guides him through the world. She's very like, no Ziggy, this is not how we do it. Like, this is the way the world is to be. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we react to this situation. Yeah. Um, But she's so traumatized that it, it does make me uncomfortable saying like, this is her core self versus this is how she's managing. Yeah. Again, like the second, sorry, Alex, the second season when she like stands up to Meryl Streep like that, like for me, I'm like, go, go get him. Like, yes. Like, and again, that's like post, you know, she's had some time. I'm yeah. shifting because I do think she uh, develops a Ravenclaw coping mechanism for mm-hmm. what she might have been a Gryffindor because the little hints that we get of her pre-Gryffindor seems like maybe she was like a girl who was like the life of the party and wanted to hang out and yeah and she is bold in season two when she's starting to recover a little bit from her trauma she does like stand up for herself and for the people around her and it takes a lot of guts for her to to speak to Meryl Streep and to hold true to what she knew about Perry um, yeah. And the way that she treats her friendship with Celeste is really powerful. Her friendship with Celeste. I think in right. season two, they like come to some sort of. I, I know, I ship them <laughs> in season two. Yes. Oh, 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 I was like, are they not cool? <laughs> I definitely want them to be co parents. I want them to leave Australia, sorry, Monterey, and <laughs> um, go raise their three little half brothers together. And I'm very into it. Yeah. Um, no, I will buy that because um, of a reason that makes me realize that I was thinking about Celeste. I buy her as a burned Gryffindor who has created a Ravenclaw system to help herself cope. That works. I think that's a really good way to put it, yeah. And then I also think the core of her character in season one slash book is a very Gryffindor stance on Ziggy told me he didn't do it, so I believe him. That's true. It doesn't, it's not based on any fact or anything which you would think like a Ravenclaw might have like investigated more, mm-hmm. but more like, nope, I believe him. Yeah. That he didn't do it. That's my yeah. kid. That's my gut. I also don't know if this is just a TV show thing, but like she like buys a gun. She's like ready to protect herself. Like, um, I don't, that, not necessarily like Gryffindor, but like kind of like a, I'm going to stand up for my own kind of, and not in a Slytherin way even, but. Right. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, that again, that goes in her, like her little trauma basket of like, right. this person has completely ruined her But life. I would say maybe like her 11 year old self would have gotten sort into Gryffindor. Yeah, I buy I that. like what you guys are saying about the Ravenclaw. I also think that probably came out more in the books too. It sounds like the. Some of the characters. Yeah. Um, Celeste. 
Celeste is made of glass and it's very hard for me to guess who she is as a real person. I said ultimately a Slytherin. Um, I think that her boys are everything to her um, and she'll, I don't know. And I think she's like a very proud person in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I just ended on Slytherin, especially in the second season again. I, I buy that. I definitely say she's a cold house. Like this is not a, she's definitely not a Gryffindor. Like this I think is she not a fire be, person. I put Ravenclaw, but I, I see Slytherin too. I was going back and forth between the two. I also thought a little Ravenclaw, but I think that's also like a little aesthetic-y, like Nicole Kidman kind of has a Ravenclaw <laughs> vibe. Yeah. That does have like a rope. Like I feel like if she gave her dark hair, she could be Rowena. She's a very like bird like vibe to yeah, her. Yeah, she has like this elegance that is like almost Ravenclaw-y. But I mean also this is sort of a side note, but one hundred percent the character in the book is written for Nicole Kidman. Because <laughs> of course the book takes place in Australia and it's like, okay, this is no this is just Nicole Kidman. You knew who this was supposed to be. But I think her like her I'm a high powered lawyer but I don't care. Like, she's not Renata. Like, she didn't feel the need to, like, keep that position. Like, mm. she had worked her way there. She did all the schooling. She enjoyed helping Madeline, but she doesn't necessarily need to, like, be back and have her own. But that was the trauma. He was the one that told her not to do it anymore and didn't want her helping. Like, that was, that was his, that was him. That's the scene in the car with yeah. Madeline where she's like, it's not enough. Yeah. So maybe she is a Slytherin. Maybe you guys have talked me back into it. And I don't, yeah, like the whole court stuff was very much like. I don't like season two, Celeste. So I tried not to. Yeah. Uh, I just messness doesn't seem right. It didn't seem, I didn't believe that that was the way that she was going to handle the situation. I don't think she would. Be, yeah, I don't. No, no I, I see her more turning even more inward. I would see her more like self-harming, but keeping like rigid control over her image. I don't see her being like visibly messy. But I just mean like her and her, the kid, like the, the two sides. Yes, I do. Yes, I do think her like protection of them and, and that was her concern. And even Perry a little bit. That's true. I, yeah, I mean, she is very family-oriented. I mean, also, spoilers for my opinion on Perry, I think that's probably where they connect. Yeah. Is in Slytherin. And, like, a status thing and an image thing. Like, they're both out there, like, trying to make sure they have the perfect image on social media, you that's know? That's true. I think you're right. I think when you th put it in that instance, she almost, like, Slytherin to a fault, like, in terms yeah. of people and sticking to her, her people. Yeah. And she doesn't come from a family where she gets that right. So she like latches on to Perry. She doesn't right. come home. So I think yes. that makes a lot of sense that she went out seeking for this perfect nuclear family because, so that's part of her ambition is having the perfect looking family. Yeah, you know? I buy it. Yeah. Bonnie? She's a puff, but like a really cool one, like way cooler than a normal Hufflepuff. She's a cool puff. She's also kind of a like, she's got some burned business going on there. She's like a burned puff with a puff performance. Ooh, yeah, that's true. I have a little, I was thinking maybe Gryffindor, but I like the puff. 
Yeah. I think she only has one Gryffindor moment, and I think it's out of her trauma that she has it. Because other than that, she's trying to be, like, peacemaker with Madeline and Ed and... Uh, In the Abigail. first season, for sure. Right. Second season, again, she's <laughs> trauma. Um, so I don't, that, I, again, I may just, cause I just watched the second season most recently. I'm like, it's in my mind, like those characters. But. I still think the reason she though, re, I mean, everybody, I mean, who is not a sociopath would react a certain kind of way when they've murdered someone. But um, I do think she reacts in a Hufflepuff way. I feel like a Gryffindor might get over it because he was like an abusive person. Or yeah, they- no, I, I agree with Hufflepuff. I also think I let like Zoe Kravitz, like her, she is such Gryffindor. Mm. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz certainly has Gryffindor energy. Um, where are we? And- and- I don't even know who Ed is in season two of the show. Okay. I don't know who that person is and I reject him. I don't even remember him in season two. Him and Madeline's plot in season two like was nothing to me. There's plot in season two was I'm never going to forgive you, but I'm just so frustrating because he got a beautiful moment in the season one finale in there in the final party and he looks and he sees the director who she has had the affair with. And, and we're following his eyeline. So we're following his internal dialogue. And he looks at, at the director and he's so angry and wounded. And then he, he looks over at Madeline and Madeline has just seen that Jane has walked in with nice coffee, Tom. And Madeline is so happy for her friend. And she's like, oh my God, Ed, look, look, it's Jane and Tom. And he looks at her and his heart melts and you see the dialogue written on his face, which is she's so good and she loves her friends so much. And you know what? I can let go of this. And he forgives her in that moment. There's not a word of dialogue that he says. It's a beautiful moment. And then it's completely undone because he spends the whole second season just being like the poutiest stick and constantly having like little bitch fights with the, uh, what's his face? With the uh, Nathan. Like, why? What are you doing here? I think he, like, wanted to not seem like a Hufflepuff. He's like, I don't want to seem like I'm rolling over. Like, in season two. Like, I think he's just like, I know that I'll look weak if I take you back, so I have to make this stand. But it also was weird because read that scene, which I also read that way, because they clearly meant it that way when it was going to be a one-off season. But, um... Then he tries to pretend like he didn't know in season two. Like they have a thing where Abigail opens her mouth and that's how he finds I forgot about that. And so it's just, it's all a lot. Um, I have that Ed in the book is a Gryffindor and Ed in the show is a Hufflepuff. Although they could Mm -hmm. both be different Hufflepuffs. I had Hufflepuff. I think he's a heart yeah, yeah. I definitely go more puff. Um, but I see where you're I see where you would get Gryffindor um vibing with that that Gryffindor that we read in Madeline. Um Yes. And also the way he but I guess that's more puff, so never mind. I'm talking myself out of it. That's it's see- an Amy Rory situation, I think, where you have a very 
steady person who's deeply in love with somebody who burns very bright, you know, and is kind of their, their grounding influence. And in the book, Molly, there's a great scene with Ed where there, cause Ed in the book is on the balcony when Perry goes over and Madeline has orchestrated that everyone should lie <laughs> and she says I'm not gonna make you Ed but she clearly wants him to do it and he's willing to do it for her he tries he gets there he's parked outside of like the police station and he is like the most tormented a person has ever been because he loves her so much and he wants to do this for her but he can't do it like he knows his moral compass cannot like lie to the police about the murder of a man and she calls him and says it's fine bonnie is confessing and he just falls because he was like i wanted to but i wasn't gonna be able to do it madeline and madeline's like i know honey i know <laughs> so they kind of like transferred some of that over to bonnie i guess in the second season yes bonnie yeah bonnie at the end of the first book confesses yeah, and the thing I mean, like, that I think her like wanting to do it, like yes, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nathan, a non-character in my opinion, I gave him Hufflepuff. I gave Nathan Squib, but I gave him. <laughs> I gave him Gryffindor just because his mouth will just not stop. Yeah, that's true. He is kind of like, I'm and his need to like fix everything. He's like, I'm gonna have the solution to it, and he's wrong one hundred percent of the time. He's like, it's fine. I'll fix it this time. Yeah, that makes sense. And that actually makes me sort Madeline even further Slytherin because of her ability to control things and how unbearable it must have been for her being in a relationship with someone who can't control himself or anything. And it's just a mess at all times. Yeah, he's he's such a mess. Um, He is the worst kind of Gryffindor. And I think what makes him not a Hufflepuff is that I do not think a Hufflepuff could have abandoned his family like that. Yeah, his tiny baby. His tiny baby and Madeline. Um, Harry, can we just say Death Eater or? (laughs) I like don't want to sort it. (laughs) I do think he's a Slytherin, but not because he's like the main villain. I think his... He is concerned about the, in the way we were talking about. I think so too. Family. Yeah. And he's like obviously extremely uh, work focused and ambitious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, he loves his mommy. Yeah. And he's like sneaky, obviously. Like he's right. cunning. Oh, yeah. His, he's cunning. He's fully manipulative to a sociopathic degree. Like, right. Right, and that's, uh, I had forgotten about it until you were talking about Celeste, the fact that before they get together, he finds out, he's like, oh, you don't have any family? Oh, you're completely alone? Oh, there's nobody who can save you? Let's date, you know? (sighs) Renata, Slytherin, but the best. (laughs) (laughs) The best kind of Slytherin, Renata. You will not not be rich. (laughs) (laughs) I have it right here. Love on a podcast, but uh, iconic. The best power Slytherin in her power suits. I love her. Yes. Once again, I did not sort her husband, Gordon. 
I mean, I, have opinions. I squibbed status to him too. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's what it's what she deserves. I also I know you had Abigail on here. I like didn't really think of her that much of a character, so I didn't sort her. But I see Gryffindor, I guess. I mean, she is a, such a Gryffindor. She's oh, yeah. like, I'm going to sell my virginity on the internet. That was a terrible <laughs> I had to, like, look up. I was like, is that Meryl Streep's character? Is that her daughter? Like, I forgot who it was. She's a bigger part in the book, kind of. First season, I think. But, yeah, yeah. she's part of the first season, where she's basically like, I'm a cause girl, and I have all the feelings. I know. Oh, no. It doesn't help having like the most driven mom ever. It's just a disaster pairing those two. And speak of big speaking of Gryffindor big stunts. My God. <laughs> Selling my virginity on the internet because some other girls are trafficked. Oh babe. Sweetie pie. Sweetie honey child. Well, that was big little eyes. All right, so Jesse, you haven't watched Charmed, right? Correct. Either one? No. All right, so it's this all is you, Alex, and I. We're just gonna sort all the sisters. So for yeah, the we're sorting the Charmed ones. Yeah, the four from the first Charmed and the three from the second. All right, so Prue, I would say the most Gryffindor energy. She has a huge Gryffindor energy. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's really any other way to go for Prue. No. no. Um, Piper, huge huff. puff energy. So much Hufflepuff. She's just trying to keep the family together. Her and uh, what's her white lighter's name? The white lighter? Leo. Name? Leo. I mean, uh, Leo. Leo is the ultimate. He's the head of Hufflepuff house. Yes. <laughs> don't let the name fool you. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're the, just the puff, the puff, puff puffs. And then I said Phoebe also Gryffindor. Yeah, Phoebe's a Gryffindor. And like she and Prue like have different roles of Gryffindor for I sure. Prue has a Ravenclaw performance that separates her from Phoebe, which I think Phoebe is just like a Gryffindor, wear heart on your sleeve, Gryffindor in the traditional way, where Prue kind of has more of a Hermione Gryffindor going on yeah and I think Phoebe's second house would definitely be Hufflepuff like I mean she's a literal empath so yeah um and then I said Paige was also a Hufflepuff because she's like a social worker I said Paige was a Hufflepuff but I only saw like half a season of Paige so I don't know that much about her journey Actually, if I was being more critical, thinking she's probably a Gryffindor as well, but this is obviously a Gryffindor-based world. Definitely the first, especially first Charmed. Yeah. Um, Second Charmed, they did a little more variation in characters, I think. Yeah, because Paige, like, she's, like, she's a rebellious teenager. Like, she kind of goes through this whole, like, I'm my own person, like, I don't need this, like, sisterhood thing, like, and I think in a lot of Gryffindor ways, but I think that her caring for so many people, and she's also part white lighter, I think that's, like, the Hufflepuff nature. Yeah. If I was actually to sort, like, 11-year-old Paige, she'd probably be a Gryffindor. Right. I'm down. I think also social work is a Hufflepuff field, but I also think it's very much a Gryffindor field, trying to, like, yeah, 
Because then she becomes a temp, and which is, I feel like, very Gryffindor. Like, I'm just going to try it all. Like, whatever. I don't care. Like, not yeah. I don't care, but, like, I'm, like, fi- I'm, like, jumping into all these different things. Yes. Um, um, Mel, Gryffindor, and New Charms. That's the oldest sister. I actually said Ravenclaw. I would like to hear your reasonings because she's so reactionary and a cause girl. She is definitely a cause girl, so that's for sure Gryffindor. I think the Ravenclaw parts, like when we first meet her, she's like um like a woman's study like scholar. And um she's like the one she's like, I will be the feminist of the house. And she like um is the most interested in learning about magic. Like she wants to like learn all of this stuff. Like she wants to learn like the background of it. Like she's like the most into like being a witch. And I took that in a Ravenclaw way, but I'm also like totally fine to put her in Gryffindor. I think yes, she's really into being a witch, and she it like she's 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 a teacher, so she's got a Ravenclaw. I think maybe. She, like structure what is it in sorting hat chats what's the other one that's not a performance the one that you adapt to um or that you whatever it is like she's got a ravenclaw i think way of going about like organizing her life but she like is she has an affair with her ex-girlfriend she like likes being a witch in like a Gryffindor, like oh my god, how cool magic powers kind of way. Yeah, she's, she's also like a badass. Yeah, she's a badass that wants to like save the world with her magic. Like she has such a hero complex too. Like she's like, it's our job to save everyone. Yeah, she's a little Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've won me over. Um, I would say Maggie's definitely a Hufflepuff. Same. Another impact. Not that she's like an actual empath puff though. Like Yeah. I mean she certainly has Griff I do think that this is also Gryffindor based, right? I mean like you're fighting evil. Like it's yeah. that's the most Gryffindor thing. Um and then Macy I would definitely say is a Ravenclaw. Same. I think Macy is like she holds that part of the the group. Yeah. Her job For is sure. to be the the brain of the I mean, she's, like, literally a scientist. Yes. She's a scientist that's very, very uh, into the logic of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't think that she and Mel are similar in that way, but I guess more in, like, the creative Ravenclaw mind space, I would put um, Mel. Yeah. But, But yeah, yeah, I guess we've already talked about it, but, yeah, I just think Mel... She's a definitely a heart house. Like she's completely governed by passion and her heart. Yeah. Well, that was charmed. We did it. You ready, Jessa, for community? I haven't watched community in several years. Uh-oh. So. <laughs> I'm ready. I just want to say that I made a terrible joke about the universe, which I said is a Hufflepuff universe, but they're all puffing. It is the weirdest, most demented Hufflepuff universe you could ever imagine. Yeah, it's almost Slytherin, not because they're like ambitious or anything, but because they're all like so self-involved. Right. But I think the narrative wants them to be less self-involved, you know, like the idea is like, guys, don't be the worst. Um, I think study group 
based show in nature is just so Hufflepuff. It's like, let's get our work done, class. Like, <laughs> in theory. It's not Ravenclaw because they're not getting it done. Right. Yeah, like for sure. There and they're all just friends. Yeah. This one's kind of hard because they like to play with like tropes. So like they'll use the characters in different ways. Like it's like very vignette Like this time we're going to be in like this situation. You guys are going to be like this. But like there are cores to them. But it I was did kind actually of find this one the fast one to go the fastest one to go through and sort because I feel like the characters are more archetypes than a lot of the other characters that we're talking about. Yeah. Well. So I was. I think I kind of did it based off archetype, but then there was like a couple of things where I'm like, well, they really like fought against this archetype, right? In some ways. But all right, let's just let's just do it. Okay. Let's go. So Jeff, I said definitely Slytherin. Absolutely. Yeah. He was He's learning, but <laughs> um, Op-ed, uh Ravenclaw. Yeah, he's like the the worst stereotype of a Ravenclaw, even though he's trying to like be a person yeah. throughout the show. He's like trying to be a Gryffindor. Yeah, bless him. Um, so Troy was actually one I wasn't sure about. I put Hufflepuff slash Gryffindor. I went with Hufflepuff. He, I mean, obviously he has like a massive character change in the first season when they figure out who he's actually going to be. Yeah, but in the like, end, oh, we have a genius on our hands. Playing. Right, like oh, this like random jock archetype is a massive waste of time for this person yeah so I do I think I think Hufflepuff and uh, I was starting with Griffin um I fiance, say and he was like I think Hufflepuff yeah I go with Puff yeah uh, my feelings <laughs> um Pierce I was like squib <laughs> thank you I had no idea what to do with him the only thing I could figure out was maybe a Gryffindor. There is a, a through line of him just wanting to be seen, I guess. But I don't know. I feel like cheap to put him in Slytherin just because he's like a bad person. I know that was I know that was the first thing I wanted to do, but without any like real yeah behind it. I I like Squib for Pierce. <laughs> Britta, I said Gryffindor. Oh my lord, she is the worst Gryffindor ever. <laughs> She loves being a Gryffindor. <laughs> um, Annie was Ravenclaw. Yeah, and it's interesting. That's where she connects with Abed over and over. Like they do have a couple of like weirdly flirty moments where I'm like, do I ship Annie and Abed for sure? When he's but playing I his little she... Don Draper thing, that worked very well. <laughs> I think that she was one that, like, I think fights against that archetype. Like, she's clearly supposed to be a Ravenclaw, but I think she, like, fights against it a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of heart in Annie, for sure. Yeah. But I think her, like, imp- like her deepest impulse is to, like, put it in a binder. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I think it's also, like, so performative. Like, hence her whole reason of being at community college. Like, right. it goes against everything she was, like, quote-unquote working for. Right. Um, I've only seen maybe four episodes of Community with Jessa, and that was the only character I was able to sort. Yeah, <laughs> like it's very surface level, but it, like I think she is interesting in that way that she doesn't do what you're supposed to do as a Ravenclaw, like just as like the premise of the show in some way. Yeah, I mean, more or less, all of these people are failures. I mean, that's again, that is why they're at Community yeah. College, right? Um. Nothing wrong with community college, just saying that. But for these specific characters, this community college, there definitely is. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, Shirley, I said, like, Slytherin, I guess. 
I wasn't sure. I know she thinks she's a Hufflepuff. Cause I was thinking about, I was having a hard time remembering what happened to her, but I remember her like having her like own like powerhouse business by the end. And she's like right. too good for them. Yeah. I buy Slytherin. <laughs> I think I actually have like uh scrawled out where I was like, Slyther, no, Raven, no. <laughs> she thinks she's a Hufflepuff. Um she really thinks that she loves everyone and yeah. <laughs> cares about everyone. But remember how she keeps connecting with Jeff. Um, they keep reconnecting and like being mean and exclusionary to other people. So yeah, she probably is a yeah. Slytherin. She's very selfish. Yeah. I mean, she very much cares about her sons and she keeps trying to make that trash marriage work. So yeah, she's a little driven by that, that circle too. Yeah. Um, and then Dean Pelton. <laughs> He's so Gryffindor. chaotic. What is he? He <laughs> said Gryffindor because he has like no shame in being like whoever he wants to be. I buy that. This better not awaken anything in me. I buy that. <laughs> he just is comfortable with who he is. Correct. <laughs> I love the Dean. I had um, what's his name on there, and I deleted him. Um, the guy from The Hangover and stuff. Oh, uh, Chang. Chang. Chang is so many different people throughout the show. Right. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Probably Slytherin. I think there's a core there of him needing to belong to a group. Yeah. But he also like backstabs everyone at certain points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's questionable. He's not as much of a character as the ones we've discussed. Yeah. That's kind of why I took him out. But um, I almost didn't even include the Dean, but he's so funny. He's amazing. <laughs> Literal Oscar winner. Yeah. Um, all right. We're done, Alex. <gasps> okay. Um, Schitt's Creek. Is that yeah. our, our all play? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wrote down quickly, um, maybe we, unless we wanted to do some more, but obviously Johnny, Moira, Alexis, David, and um, I mean, we can, yeah, we can do Stevie and um, Patrick, Twyla, yeah, Patrick, um, Twyla, and um, yeah. Oh, shit, Stevie, yeah. I was like, yeah, I think that's good. Mm -hmm. I think we'll be quick with it. Mm -hmm. Who who did you want to start with? David? David? Well, this is a weirdly Slytherin-based universe. It's burnt Slytherin. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like a burnt Slytherin getting patched up, though. Like, because I don't think they have a Hufflepuff journey. I think they all have their own Slytherin journey of learning to love each other and the town and putting the town in That's their circle. Very true. Because David, I mean, all, I think the three out of four of the roses anyway are definitely the only person in their circle when we begin the show. Mm-hmm. And their journey really is about most importantly, making sure that the four of them are their circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would put, yeah, I would put David as a Slytherin. I would put David as a Slytherin too. He has some like silly puffiness for sure, you know? Yeah. 
What were you thinking? I do think he's a Slytherin. I was trying to think about him, like, just, like, so desperately wanting to have friends and, like, basically, like, buying his friends from before. Yeah. And I don't know what that falls into, like. I think it falls into a Slytherin who has a circle of one that desperately wants more people to be in it. Because I also, when I think about how that scene where uh, he's always the one that's, like, uh, calling all the consulates and stuff for Alexis when she goes off on her little Alexis adventures and he, like, cares about her, I feel like he just wants that unit, that... I think, but he, I think he, he's, like, trying not to, but I think he so deeply cares for other people, which is why in, like, a big way, which is, like, bigger than just Slytherin, I think, um, like, he wants, like, to give Jocelyn that job, even though he's, like, pretending he doesn't, and he's, like, whatever, I don't care about her, like, and I wouldn't even say that she's in his circle, like, and he takes care of that woman that he's, like, working for at the clothing store. Yeah. Blouse barn. That's true. Yeah, maybe, oh, he's such a weird puff, but, like, I, I'm not against it, I just, it's hard puffle puff it's hard to see him it's hard to sort him because he's certainly like a care house like a slytherin or a hufflepuff but it's hard because i do think part of his journey is learning to accept the other people in the town into his circle so i can't tell if that's that he innately cares about all people or if he's just slowly letting more people in like i think that's inherently selfish yeah. But I think that he cares about other people. I also don't think he's ambitious at all. Yeah. Like, he has his store, and he does, like, learn to grow it, but it's not, like, a thing, like, an ambitious person would have it's seen like a the potential in Blouse Barn more than just, like, the potential to use your account and think it's a tax write-off when you buy yourself scented candles. You yeah. Know? Yes. Yeah. Like, like, we see Alexis being ambitious with her job. Mm, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. We'll get to her. But, yeah, yeah I, um, but, yeah, I, I'm willing to sort David as a little grumpy puff. Grumple yeah. puff. A grumple puff. Him and Luke. Little grumple puffs. Him and Patrick. With their small town, uh, <laughs> with their small town shops. Sorry, I was. Do- I went to a Gilmore Girls place for a I, gotcha. I was just quickly sorting Patrick with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Patrick is like a real good down-the-middle, ordinary recipe Hufflepuff. For yeah. sure. For you, he'll put in the work for the relationship. He'll deal with your weird drama. He's going to he sing you. He loves you, and it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, do you, we want to do Alexis then? Yeah. I think she's a Slytherin. I yeah, think she's a, agreed. I think she's a Griffin, a Slytherin, a Griffin, Griffin. <laughs> yeah, Griffin. I think she has a lot of Gryffindor going on there. But yes, I can see that she is very like ambitious. Slytherin. Slytherin. I think she finds her at the one though, because she like. At the start, like, I feel like her whole life, if she was sorted in 11, she's like, uh, I go where the wind takes me, and I'm gonna, like, travel all over the world and be brave and do reckless things and negotiate myself out of cartels. And mm, yeah, very Gryffindor. That is, that's a really good point. I think her- She's definitely a late bloomer. 
Yeah. yeah. But if we were to sort her at 11, I think you're right. She'd be a Gryffindor. Um, Moira? Uh, I'd say Moira is such a Slytherin. Her whole journey is learning to care about her children. And I love that for her. Yeah, she doesn't expand really to the rest of the town. No, does not care about any of the others. Doesn't care about anyone except for herself and yeah and Johnny. I, I think she considers Johnny like an appendage I don't know that she yeah. really thinks of Johnny as like a whole other person that she cares for yeah. which is sweet in its own way yeah. you know and like yeah. David a little bit yeah she, if had a choice she would much prefer to hang out with David we still don't know what Alexis's middle name is so I think those first couple seasons watching Moira like deign to be around Alexis is rough. It's so sad. I'm like, no wonder this girl ran away from home right. eventually. Like when like David My eyes are blue. <laughs> when, and there's that one morning where David's like, I can't have breakfast with you this morning. And Moira's like, oh, I have no one to go to breakfast with. <laughs> Alexis is like, I'm right here. <laughs> I you feel card? so bad like no cards. <laughs> um, Johnny. I think Johnny is a maybe he's a puff like David or a raven yeah, with some Slytherin. I think because he did build this empire. That's true. Yes, he did. But I think he has like a very ready, steady work ethic. So. Yeah, he's a hard yeah. worker for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a Hufflepuff. How did he lose his business? What was the, was it the fraud? business manager screwed them over? Right. Okay. That seems very puff too. Like I don't think a Slytherin yeah. is letting that situation. True. Slytherin is definitely managing their own finances. Yeah. Ted. Oh, I love Ted. Puff. Sweet right? Hubble. Sweet Hubble puff. He's such a sweet, hot dummy. He is, he's a puff on steroids. Like, yeah. Yes. I mean, he's a veterinarian. Correct. Um, Twy? Twy is brilliant. He's interesting. I think Twy is a bit of a Gryffindor. I think I, she's a Gryffindor. I buy that for sure. Mm-hmm. I think she's, she's a survivor for sure. She's a survivor. Um, and Stevie. Stevie's kind of hard. Stevie is burned, whatever she is. Stevie is like a Slytherin performance, but I think she really cares about like people a lot. I think she's a Hufflepuff. Yeah, she might be. She's not any other house. She's not brave. She's not ambitious. Not ambitious at Clever. But yeah, she wants she wants to be seen as like sassy or whatever. Right. She's like, ooh, I hate people and I'm a loner and don't need anyone. Meanwhile, she just wants puff. like a good sweet cuddle. Like I feel right. like she just wants to be loved. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very puffy. Oh. <laughs> sassy. Is that all that we said that we were gonna do? Yeah. I think that's all the big ones. I don't give a shit about Roland. I hate Roland. Me too. Oh, I'm so glad they pulled back and realized they didn't need as much Roland. Because I really have to like pep talk people through the first few episodes. He's the worst part. Yes. You both know how I feel about that cheese episode. It's- I can't 
I can't forget it. Upsetting. Um, great. So we'll end this part here. All right. Listen to the second part. Um, next, (laughs) next week. (laughs) (laughs) It will be recorded all together. Yes. Um, uh, Jessa, we're throwing this at you. Uh, we do a sign off. Uh oh. You can come up with your own, or you can tell us to fuck off and not do one because we're putting you on the spot. But we do always put the, the guest on the spot to try. Oh, so, stay magical, y'all. Charmed, I'm sure. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Mischief managed. Bum bum ba bum 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 bum.